The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every single month. Stay tuned for a special discount code on your next order at fansets.com just for being a Trek Geeks listener. Fansets, our pins have character. <laughs> I'm so glad we read these live. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Find out more about this amazing collectible and sign up for their mailing list for special offers at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Alexander Sadiq, Dr. Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Climatological office at Podfleet Command. We're, we're monitoring the weather situation around the, the entire planet 24-7, 365. It's the biggest little show. This side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, weather watchers all over the Alpha Quadrant, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. So glad to have you here for episode number, uh, let me check my notes, 265. And uh, we've got a great one on tap for you today, of course. By we, I do mean my illustrious co-host and I. You know, if he were going to chase storms, I would encourage him to get right up real close. I mean, like closer than any human has before. Just, um, no, that would just make my day. Dan, you're the, uh, you're the very buoyant co-host of the Trekkies podcast. <laughs> you're Dan Davidson. Welcome aboard, buddy. Thanks, man. Buoyant and climatological. That was a, I didn't even think I'd be able to say that word, and I, I don't know if I screwed it up or not, but I'm glad to be here, regardless of whether I can talk or not, because uh, it's always fun to sit down and talk Star Trek with you, my friend. Uh, 265. Wow. That's a lot. Next week is going to be 266. Will that be a lot? Uh, yeah, it'll be a lot more. It'll be one more than, than <laughs> a lot. I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I'm just I, excited. I always- I always take some kind of uh, amusement out of how excited you get by the number incrementing by one every week. It's like, awesome. wow, that's a lot. My God, how, who would have known that would have happened, right? Like, why can't next week be like number 287? I, I just, it's, it's just great how it's always by one. So <laughs> It's called math. Thank you. It's not hard. <laughs> it, it's not hard at all, but I usually make it so. Get it? Anyway. Oh, uh, I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> it's, this it's, week, Dan, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've got an interesting topic. We're going to step outside kind of the usual stuff that we do to talk about um, something scientific as it pertains to Star Trek a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes it's good to sit back and, and talk some serious stuff here on the podcast and not just always, um, you know, joke around and you know, we're going to joke around anyway. Who am I kidding? But we're taking, you know, climate change is something that's very um, 
in the forefront these days um, on what's going on with our planet and how we can better preserve it and do good things. Uh, weather is always uh, something that people talk about. Um, and we figured, you know what, let's mix those two together along with Star Trek. So we've got a fantastic guest joining us today. Her name is Katie Nicolau. She is a meteorologist way out in the Midwest, out in Sioux, Sioux City. I somewhere Iowa Idaho. <laughs> I always forget. It's Iowa. Idaho. Do you I, even know the geography of the United I, States? I do. I couldn't remember. Sioux City was in Idaho or Iowa. That's all. But I knew. I knew. It was, I knew it would come to me. I knew it was Iowa. Just let me finish. Be, sit back. Oh my and God. Hit mute. I'm. I'm talking right now. Um, so it's going to be fun having her. She's actually on CBS 14, way out there in Sioux City. Iowa, and um, it, it's going to be a great conversation. I mean, we've been watching her on social media, and and she really is great. Um, she makes weather fun, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have her on. Also, she's a huge Star Trek fan, and I really think she's going to be able to teach at least one of us something because uh, chances are both of us learning something is going to be pretty remote because we can't. We're we're dumb, right? Yeah, yeah, we're not bright. I mean, I'm <laughs> confident that I'll learn something. Well, that's but I mean, what I was you're thinking. just like. You're one step above margarine. I mean, there's there's a hashtag for the week. Wow. Margarine. <laughs> hashtag one step above margarine. And not even the really good kind. I mean, we're talking store-bought. Parquet? Uh, no, that's the good kind. Oh, okay. We're talking store-bought. Oh. You know, uh, store brand. <laughs> you, you're, you're like the no-name margarine of wow. the Truck Geeks podcast. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. Acme. Like the or anvil. Aldi in this case, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, Dan, uh, a great conversation follows with, with Katie. Um, super, super incredibly smart person. Mm-hmm. Has no business being on a podcast with two morons like us, and hopefully this yeah. goes well. In the meantime, Dan, how might people get their feedback and comments to us um, provided they're in in pictures because we don't read very well. Yeah, uh, well, gosh, you can say that again. It, it, we definitely want to hear from you, and the best way to do that is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or Android device. Download it and tap on the More button for a variety of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, you can check out our brand-new app-exclusive shows that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Head on over to trekgeeks.com slash app to get all the details. Plus, don't forget the, the most important and the most positive Facebook group out on Facebook is Camp Kittimer. It's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Um, there's no trolling allowed. We never allow any gatekeeping. We just don't like it. Uh, we only never. want people celebrating what they love about Star Trek. So just search for Camp Kittimer, answer a couple of questions, be sure to answer those questions, um, and we'll let you right in. And thank you for our wonderful admins, as always, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, because they do an amazing job running said camp. But please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, Bill. Wow, that was almost run, run lyrical. Run on sentence. L- well, yeah, there's that. I mean, mm. you would have had to stop to breathe, and I'm excited anytime you don't breathe. Like <laughs> Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, it, it's it's insanely hard to believe that we are less than three weeks away from the 55-year mission tour and reuniting with Lou and John and the entire Fansets team in Vegas. 
Oh my God, it's going to be great, Bill, and, and even more great, greater, greater, <laughs> greater, greater. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It, it, I'll the, I'll allow it. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, that. That doesn't happen very often. But um, the fact that they are going to have a ton of new Star Trek pins for Vegas is just super in itself. I can't wait to see them and their new stuff in person. It's just going to be great. And you know what else is going to be great? Greater, greater, Bill? Uh, that's the Fan Geeks Party on Friday, August 13th at Tommy Rockers. Uh, you and I always have a great time getting together with hundreds of Trek fans and giving away a whole lot of fan set swag. And it's going to be a little special this year because we didn't get to do it last year. So we're going to have an absolute blast. Yeah, we really do, Dan. And we can't wait to see all our friends in Vegas in less than three weeks. Until then, folks, I mean, you know the drill. You know what I'm going to say. Head on over to fansets.com, put some pins or some of those pin locking backs, which are really key at the conventions, and all kinds of other accessories into your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word, PLINKO. That's P-L-I-N-K-O in all capital letters for 10% off your entire fansets.com order. This offer will be good until July 28th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Plus, I mean, don't forget... When you spend more than 30 bucks on fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping inside the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Dan, it's hard to believe, um, but we're less than three weeks out from Vegas, baby. How many weeks? Three. Un, deux, trois. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a little French for you I'm, right there. I'm packed already. <laughs> <laughs> I've been packed for a month and a half. I don't know what yeah, took you so it's long. It's the first time. It's about time you beat me at something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, every now and then the sun shines. Um, we're still here. We're helping you get ready for Vegas because it's been a while for all of us. You know, at least two years for for people who go regularly, maybe more for you. And we just want to help you get through Vegas and have the best time possible, Dan. Yeah, I remember my first time I had uh, someone to show me the ropes on how to Vegas, and that was you. I had a great time my first time out there, and and it's been fantastic ever since. But, you know, people may, you know, you just said it. We haven't been in a while. People may not have gone before, or maybe you're... 20th one who knows there's still things to do sometimes things can be a little overwhelming so we're here to help you out and what better way than to have i've said it before people are not going to get tired of this because it is kind of he did change his his twitter he said he was going to do <laughs> it did. last week he yeah did. he is mr <laughs> convention he is ron robel he's joining us again for like the fifth time in a row to talk about how to prepare for vegas good to see you again ron good to see you we gotta wrap this up so i can make my way to the airport already i'll get there a little early <laughs> <laughs> i hope you're not hitchhiking because um, it's a bit of a walk from where you are um guys this week we're going to talk about what to do nighttime edition. Um, you know, after a full day of convention activities, um, there's a whole other nighttime and evening and late night sort of block of time that you may have on your hands. So I guess the first question, Ron, is um, what now? It's a lot of stuff to do. And I always struggle with this. I am from the East Coast. I live in Maine. And by the time I get to Vegas, I am so so, so, so bad with jet lag. <laughs> the first couple nights, six o'clock rolls around and I'm in bed, but there's so much to do. Um, if you think the days are busy, just wait for the nights between official events, unofficial events. There's always something to be doing. 
you know, that's a great point, Dan. There are official events that happen at the con some of those nights. There's galas, there's concerts, there's uh, there's Klingon karaoke in, in Jimmy's Place, the former Quark's Bar. Um, there is no shortage of things to do at the con or even away. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm always in bed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, it's it's amazing. You know, Vegas is one of your favorite places in the world, and it's it's easy to see why there is just so much to do. And and I got to tell you, the things that you just talked about, there there there's so much going on. One of the things, of course, that I love, of course, and you can tell by my svelteness, is dinner. I love dinner. I, I love dinner too. And and of course, Vegas has some of the best restaurants in the not only in the country but in the world. So. There's some great places to eat. One of the things you need to do is download Open Table for your phone because it's a great way to make reservations and and see what's out there and available. And and um, you are not going to go hungry when you're uh, in Vegas for the convention, Ron. Absolutely, Open Table is great. I'm a big fan of DoorDash and Uber Eats too. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great just, suggestion. There's so much to do. I'm grabbing something quick, and they'll bring it to the room at the very end of the night, and it's a quick way to just grab something. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. I've been Vegasing since really before I had ever been introduced to DoorDash or Uber Eats. And that's a really great option, especially if you're looking to save a little bit on your travel budget. Um, I, if you are going to make a reservation somewhere, uh, I, I would imagine there are a lot of restaurants that are still requiring reservations simply just to keep headcount under control. Mm-hmm. So Dan, that open table suggestion is spot on. Another okay. thing that people can do is is check the ho- hotel info in your room for coupons and other discounts for restaurants right at the Rio or maybe even related properties through Caesars. That like, like we've said before, Vegas runs on coupons and that's a great way to not only save yourself a few bucks, but to also maybe just be able to get a table at a restaurant at the hotel itself, Ron. Groupon's a great alternative as well. I know last year there's never any guarantees, but they were running a Groupon for like $25 at the Rio. You could do the buffet with all you can drink, uh, beer and wine. So I was able to do that a couple times. It was, yeah, such a great deal. <laughs> I can see I'm going to abandon my keto for that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, another idea too is ask other Trekkies. I mean, yeah. because everybody Vegas is differently and that's a great way to get some sort of tip. Maybe you want to do something different for dinner. Dan, I'm pretty sure somebody else is going to have a great suggestion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, and it, it, it brings you out of your, I don't want to say comfort zone, but what you're used to. You talk to somebody who talks about a restaurant you've never even heard of and it's, they say, I think for example, maybe Bill, you said it to me, like the best Thai place you've ever been to, we're mm. going to this year because I love Thai food. So you're going to get different ideas from different people, which is, you know, that's awesome. I mean, we're all one big family when we're out there. So share the love. If you know any locals, Ron, that's a great way to get restaurant recommendations. And there are plenty of them that go to the Vegas Con. Right. Absolutely. And I say, too, go back to social media. I know a couple of years ago, there was a Facebook group for vegans at STLV. And making oh, wow. recommendations and taking screenshots of menus where there were options. So there's always social media you can turn to to ask for advice. So, guys, let's talk about entertainment. Because, I mean, Vegas is also the entertainment capital of the world, it seems. If there's a show that you're interested in seeing, odds are you can get to it in Las Vegas. Um, you can book shows through any of the hotels that actually have the show. Or um, I, I, I did some research today and it seems that 
the discount tickets booth for same day shows has still not reopened. Hmm. Um, the Ticks for Tonight, which has been rebranded as Ticks for Vegas. Uh, they had eight locations across the strip. I've used them before to get same day tickets to things like Penn and Teller or one of the, uh, the Cirque du Soleil shows. They have not reopened yet and they have not announced when they will. So if you're looking for tickets, Ron, using either the hotel concierge or the hotel ticket booth at any of the hotels might seem like the best option. Absolutely. Plan ahead. Check the websites. I know I was really excited to see RuPaul's back out. I might get tickets to go see that. Um, there's <laughs> so many different shows to see, especially if you do get away from the Rio, if you're able to travel at all. Um, there's so much to see in Las Vegas. Take a break, get to the Strip, and just see what's out there. You know, it's it's funny because because I know that the last time we were in Vegas, I really really wanted to go see the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show. Can't even say it, and I just I never got the opportunity to because there was so much going on. So I love the idea of going to a show and seeing something that you've always wanted to. I just personally don't know if I'd ever have the opportunity to do it. So I probably would have to be like kind of forced to do it. But I think it's a great idea for people that have the time and the desire to get away from all of the Star Trek stuff for a little while to go see one. So yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I find I need to unplug a little bit at nighttime. Um, now granted, there are some events that we'll be doing at night mm-hmm. where we can't necessarily unplug, but there's the before that, there's the after that because True. I mean, we probably go to 3 a.m. those nights uh, yeah. to go to bed at 3 a.m. But uh, this also brings up the topic of bars. Now, of course, not everybody drinks, but all of the bars in Las Vegas have a healthy non-alcoholic selection. Mm-hmm. And in addition to bars like, say, at the Rio, like Ibar and Masquerade Run, there are almost a literal ton of bars throughout Las Vegas. Fair statement? Absolutely. I don't think you could throw a stone and not hit a bar somewhere in Vegas. Um, and if you're getting away from the hotel, check out Fremont Street. There is no better place yeah. to party at night and drink than Fremont Street. <laughs> that is a great suggestion. Plus, they have that that sort of show on the ceiling or whatever the videos on the uh, on the ceiling there with that giant video screen. Dan, do you have any bar favorite bars outside of the Rio or favorite places you like to go? I might steal some of your thunder because I want to talk about how some how much something that you love and you actually brought me here once and I absolutely loved it and that's the Fireside Lounge at the Pepper Mill. Oh, um, yeah. And for those of you who don't know where it is, it's a North Strip across from uh, Resorts World. And like you said, it's one of your favorite places. We've gone there to eat and go to the bar, and it's an absolutely fantastic place. And um, I don't know if it was three or four years ago, we actually did a happy half hour at the High Roller Observation Wheel, where literally yeah. one of the cars is a bar, and you can drink as much as you want in that 40 minutes or a half hour that you're you're doing a you're you're on the wheel and it's fun it's awesome but i gotta tell you the drinks are the sweet kind rum mostly so if you drink a lot of it you're gonna have a headache later that's personal knowledge (laughs) (laughs) some of us didn't have that problem i'm just gonna throw that out there well i mean if those aren't the drinks you know you like there are an amazing array of brew pubs in the Vegas Arts District, sort of in between the North Strip where the Stratosphere is and Fremont Street. Um, in doing research for the Fan Geeks party, I found at least a dozen brew pubs in kind of a, a four or five square block area, 
all of which have just amazing beers on tap that they brew themselves. In addition to that, I know uh, one of my favorite stops is Margaritaville at the Flamingo. Havana I do banana. love a good Havanas and bananas. <laughs> That's my favorite. I love it. <laughs> and then, I mean, if you want to get some live music at the same time, Ron, there's also a place like Carnival Court outside of Harrah's. They do the flair bartending and you know, mm. there's a giant stage and it's uh, it's usually a fairly big party vibe. Um, but literally there are hundreds more bars just within a, a two mile walk of Las Vegas. It's funny too. If you go to TripAdvisor and look for the best bars in Vegas, it, there's literally thousands that pop up on there. It's wow. absolutely incredibly met the volume of alcohol in that city. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't have to always be alcoholic either. They all have non-alcoholic options. Um, mm-hmm. There's just, there's always something to fun, something to find and do and drink and just enjoy. Absolutely. Speaking of things to enjoy, Vegas does have its share of attractions, both free and not so free. Um, I, I mean, if you want to see something kind of touristy, there's the volcano eruption at the Mirage. I think it's every hour, but I'm sure Chris Trebuzio will correct me on that. Um, but there's my favorite, Ron, the Bellagio Fountains. It's where I propose to my wife. It's where I just love to listen to Rat Pack music and see water shooting up through the air. It is, it's still one of the best locations in Vegas. It, all of the uh, Vegas hotels, the casinos, if you go to any of them, they're all attractions in their own right. You know, right. a lot yeah. of them still have those theming. The Luxor is absolutely incredible when you walk through that property. Um, just the size and the grandeur of every single property. And they all have these little shows. Um, Caesars Palace has the, um, I forget what it's called, but they have a statue in the lobby that comes to life every half hour. And oh, they, that's um, right. Big lightning storm. Um, Paris, the, the Paris Hotel, they have the Eiffel Tower. You can go up to the observation deck. New York, New York has the roller coaster. Um, right. Literally, there are so many attractions. Um, you could almost make a whole week-long trip to Vegas and not do Star Trek stuff. What? Almost. Or gamble or, or anything. <laughs> I mean, you could just do the attractions and the restaurants and still have a hell of a time. Um, Dan, one of our favorite places to go that isn't free in Las Vegas is actually Top Golf. Yes. Oh, that is so fun. It is one of the it is one of the most relaxing and but yet funnest experiences we've had in Vegas. Uh, we've gone how many times have we gone now? Two or three. Um, At least. And it's just amazing. You're you could be on you know this third story and you've got you know lighted greens and music and sports and amazing food. It really is a great night of fun, and that is something that I would recommend you go to with a group of people. Um, and just have a blast. Even even if you don't play, even if you don't play golf, even if yeah. you're like mm-hmm. like like a certain co-host of mine, you know, doesn't play golf all the time, but we still have a great time. It's it's and and every once in a while you hit one good there, buddy. I gotta say. Well, but even then, the food is amazing at <laughs> Food Top is Golf. so good. It, it really is. is. It, it's not just standard bar food. I mean, no. it's next level because it's Vegas. And then I usually wash it down with perhaps a potent potable, allegedly. But if you're going to <laughs> Top Golf, get the street tacos because they are yeah. some of the best tacos I've ever had. Another favorite you know, place of mine in Vegas is just people watching on the strip, Ron. It is one of my favorite activities because Vegas never disappoints in that regard. For real, not only the strip, but Fremont Street again, um, where there's yeah. so much alcohol. The later in the evening, it gets the more entertaining <laughs> some of the people become. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> fantastic. I got, you know, it's, it's funny that you talk about those type of things. There's other things. To, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. One of the things yeah. that I've done in the past is, you know, the, the wax museum is one. Yeah, um, that's Tussauds. one thing. I think there's like a neon museum. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to it, but I've there heard is. people talk about it. That sounds. I'm sure there's like a there's like a gangster museum or something. I'm sure there's more than one, but. Uh, or the you Bob just, Museum, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm sure if you look hard enough, you can find that cornfield where they killed Joe Pesci in 
you know, casino, but... I just no? stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Mob Museum is really cool because they have a speakeasy in the basement. Oh, cool. Um, and they have a great bar. So if you, nice. yeah, after you take the tour, um, you go through the simulation, which is really kind of cool. I won't say any more than that. Um, it, it's really kind of an experience that I wasn't expecting, and I had an amazing time at the Mob Museum. All kinds of great museums. There's Ethel M's Chocolate Factory in Vegas, which is a mm-hmm. great side trip if you want to make it. But uh, pretty much if there's something you're looking to do in Vegas, like, I don't know, drive construction equipment, you can do that too. Um <laughs> Guys, less than three weeks away. I can't wait to see you both. Um, Ron, I'm looking forward to seeing you more than Dan, but everybody should head on out to (laughs) creationent.com today. Get all the info. Book your tickets because it's going to be one heck of a week. Friends, if you haven't checked out the galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division, I, I don't even want to talk to you. Wow, I do. <laughs> because, because you need to know about this Tribble. It's, it's officially licensed. It is just a truly high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you're going to want to add to your collection. I mean, we've got ours. Ours, mine's within arm's reach. I've turned it off so it doesn't scream at Dan's face, as ugly mm. as it is. Mm-hmm. But um, so much work went into creating this Tribble right down to just some amazingly soft fur, Dan. I mean, it's just, whoa, hello, what was that? Plus the sounds this Tribble makes, unlike the ones that Dan's, are ma- Dan's making right now, straight out of the original series. You're going to swear this Tribble is straight out of the trouble with Tribbles, and it's just dropped right on your door. Awesome. Plus, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary, but it is a lot of fun to make it scream at people like annoying podcast co-hosts that Bill just mentioned. Uh, Fret not, however. Everyone except Bill knows that, you guessed it, (laughs) Tribbles are not dangerous. I hate you so much right now. (laughs) But head on over to sciencediv.com right now to pick up one of the Galaxy's first interactive Tribbles for your very own. And while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessories section where you can get all kinds of Science Division stuff like, I don't know, mugs, maybe a Science Division t-shirt, or perhaps even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Tote bag. Love it. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. If you're looking for some great Star Trek t-shirts or maybe even some other gear to add to your life, especially before Vegas, because you want to gear up, then be sure to check out the Trek Geek store on TeePublic. In addition to our own merchandise, you can directly access all of the officially licensed Star Trek shirts on the TeePublic platform just by going to shop.trekgeeks.com. Yeah, and when you use that link, you're automatically helping to support the Trek Geeks podcast network with every single purchase, whether it's from our store or not. With over 150 designs available and new merchandise being added all the time, you're bound to find something perfect for the next Trek Tuesday and for Las Vegas. Plus, TeePublic is constantly having special sales and discounts, like right now. So you'll want to check back often. Like today. It all starts by going to the Trek Geek shop today at shop.trekgeeks.com. So one of the things that we like to do is, of course 
talk to people and talk to people who are a lot smarter than we are, because let's face it, we're not that bright, especially you, Bill. Um, Sorry, it's true. You know, the truth hurts sometimes, but we're not going to let that stop us from learning something about weather and climate from somebody who is really smart and who also is a fellow Trekkie. You may have seen her fandom forecasts in her Starfleet uniform on social media or possibly even chasing the occasional severe storm on her social media. She's the morning meteorologist for CBS 14 in Sioux City, Iowa. And right now she's going to attempt to teach weather to two complete idiots here on Trek Geeks. She's Katie Nicolau. And Katie, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really sorry in advance for all the stupid things that Bill's going to ask and for the stupid (laughs) comments I'm going to make. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love it. There's no such thing as a stupid weather question because someone pondered it before you did. I guarantee it. So you are not alone. Oh, we're going to set that. We're going to set that bar super low today. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) I see. I can't jump. So super low bars. I'm good. (laughs) So you you have the morning shift at CBS 14. That means must mean you get up pretty early 2 a.m to 10 a.m sometimes oh. earlier <laughs> wow man if you guys really want to feel it i can't have coffee and caffeine so i this is just natural energy running and running and eventually i'm going to hit the age wall where i just crash <laughs> I'm, we've been talking to you for like two minutes before we started recording and i'm already exhausted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dan i'm exhausted from the sound of your voice most thank days, you but, there we go um, yeah, yeah excellent that, that is amazing. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things there. We're going to talk about some real climate stuff. We're going to talk about some Star Trek climate stuff, which will be cool. But um, Katie, how did you get to be the morning meteorologist there in Sioux City, Iowa? Well, you have to take it all the way back until I was about four or five years old and was in a tornado. Not purposefully. Uh, it was great. My family, well, not great for my family, I'm sure. But for me, we were all in a car and we were driving back home and it was at night. We had no clue what was going on. And a tornado passed right on top of us. That was the first experience. And little old me was like, I love the colors and shapes. And this is so cool. And so my parents being the amazing people that they are, they bought me a bunch of weather books. And I went out to the library and I got as many books as I could and watched the Weather Channel, of course. And so I just kept building on that and building on it. And then another tornado hit my house and I was like, I'm sold. I got to do this. So I went to college for it four years later, went to Sioux City, Iowa for the morning job. And I've been here ever since. Wow. So bad things for good things, I guess. That, exactly. Did, did your love of Star Trek have anything to do with you wanting to become a meteorologist or does it just go hand in hand? My love of Star Trek is actually one of the reasons why I can actually be a meteorologist today. It's really quite fascinating because back in middle school, I got to the point with anxiety and bullying that I actually didn't leave my house. And I skipped about a month worth of, worth of school. I couldn't even go on stage in a group band concert. I just I couldn't deal with people. And then, you know, I start coming out of the anxiety and I start watching Star Trek. I just happened to walk in and my dad was watching it one night and he was like, hey, watch this. And I was like, huh, yeah, anything to not go to bed. And so I watched it and I fell in love. And it was of all the episodes to start out with, The Next Generation Gambit, part one. Oh, wow. (laughs) No one starts on Gambit. (laughs) (laughs) So I started watching it. And then it actually helped me in my brain work through my anxiety and especially germophobia, which (laughs) heck of a time last year, guys. But uh, (laughs) it actually helps me figure out, you know, okay, scientifically, you're not having a heart attack. You're likely just anxious. So you're fine. And it allowed me to get back into performing and being in marching band and getting out in front of people and eventually being on TV. And so that's why I'm a huge proponent of fandom and Star Trek, because you never know who needs the help and 
how it can help them in their own special way. You know what? That is so wonderfully stated. And I couldn't agree with you more. We found in, in the almost seven years now we've been doing Trek Geeks that this fandom is is amazingly supportive. If one person is having a rough time, they rally. And it's really kind of, of awesome, Dan. Oh my God, it absolutely is. And that's one of the things that I've been so excited about um, over the course of time going to STLV. Of course, last year we had the year off. It's it's that sense of camaraderie and helpfulness. And even just, even when you're not out in Vegas on Twitter, I just saw it today. Somebody says, I'm really having a bad day. And it was one of the Star Trek people. And there were probably 150 comments of, you got this, we got your back, hope you feel better. That that love in the Star Trek universe is is it's palpable. I mean, it's something you can, that you can see and feel every single day. And just, and, and just hearing something like that from you just makes it all that much more real. Oh, absolutely. And I'll bet you there's a ton of other people out there who have a similar story where, you know, you find Star Trek or whatever show it may be, and you just get so attached to it for different reasons in your life. And you come together and you actually get to meet other people. That's one of the blessings of social media. Like everyone talks down on it, but that's one of the great things is I have friends from across the world who share the same interests that I never would have met. And now, you know, you have a support group along with the show that you love and it just makes Makes it so much better for you. Well, and plus, I mean, it gives you as somebody who is, you know, in a science related field, the ability to educate on a worldwide level, which I think is pretty amazing. It's not just Sioux City, Iowa and and the heartland. It's it's the other side of the world, potentially. And that's got to be pretty amazing. Oh, it's incredible because I never expected it to happen. <laughs> I started out making these fandom forecasts, just, you know, oh, alliteration, that'll work. We'll just put that in ink and go for it. I thought, you know, I'll make it for to make people smile and to amuse myself. Never did I think that was ever going to blow up. And I've, I think <laughs> I had viewers from like almost every continent and I'm just sitting there like, this is incredible. And the support and everyone who's just been amazing because of it, no matter where they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love it. Okay. So you're in a field that is always something that I've been interested in, but I just was never smart enough to do anything with it. So I've got the, the biggest question I've got for you that probably anybody's yes. going to ask. What's the easiest way to translate Celsius to Fahrenheit? Because I noticed that in a lot of all of the things that you do for the Star Trek stuff, you always do in Celsius because that's what they do in Star Trek. So I'm, I still can't figure out. I know that 32 is zero. That's about it. There you go. No, there's an easy way. You either use math or Google. Uh, both of those work <laughs> perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> and to be honest, I use the internet. It's fine. If you're out in the field and you're just drawn in the dirt equations, then there's something else that's a problem. If you're not <laughs> in the internet, you don't need to convert to Celsius. Like you're fine. <laughs> You, you lost Dan at math. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. To get to this point in meteorology, I had to take calculus one, calculus two, calculus three, partial differential equations, differential equations, linear matrices and uh, equations, something like that. And I'm one class away from a math minor and I just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, it was awful. Wow. <laughs> you, you have to be data to be able to, to deal with that. Yes. I certainly can't do it. Oh my gosh. No, no. Throw me in the field and tell me what cloud is that? I got you. I can do that. (laughs) If you tell me to do these random theoretical equations, I'm like, you know, we have computers for this guys. It's the 21st century. We're okay. (laughs) I don't need to memorize it. (laughs) So, I mean, 2020 was a weird year. Let's be honest. We had a lot going on. There was enough for people not to want to leave the house, uh, let alone the fact that there was a pandemic that prevented us all from doing it. But so far, 
2021 has been one of the craziest years that I can remember as far as extreme weather is concerned. You look at Lake Powell is down 40 feet just from last year. The Western United States has an extreme drought growing on. The Northeast U.S., where we live, has had more rain in the first 13 days of July than we've had in all of 2021 so far. So, Katie, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Oh, that's a great question, isn't it? (laughs) I love it. No, it's actually really interesting because the best way to describe it really is the atmosphere is a fluid roller coaster. And the atmosphere acts so much like the oceans as far as turbulence goes and movement and the different layers. We just kind of think of the atmosphere as a liquid sometimes and meteorology makes it easier. Mm. And so if you think about it, when you're going up a roller coaster hill, you are building and building and building, and then you come crashing down that hill and you go into a divot. So you have a ridge at the top and a trough at the bottom. The West Coast is on that hill and it's kicking warm air all the way up into Canada. And all underneath that hill, all that support is just heat. And then when it comes crashing down, it takes that cold air, rides along the warm air and produces insane amounts of water. And that's why the East Coast on its little trough exit has all of this rain and there's nothing to shift it in the atmosphere. Mother nature is constipated. I don't know if we need to get Miralax on the phone or what, but nothing is moving. <laughs> it's painful, very painful. And so fingers crossed we get some changes to happen. But right now, Our atmosphere is so bulked up in both positions that you just have to have a massive shift in a weather pattern to push that ridge and trough off to the Atlantic and give us something new. Is this something that, I'm sorry, let me jump in real quick. Um, Is this something that is normal in terms of it'll happen every, you know, 150 years, every hundred years that we get this type of situation, or is this really a one-off that meteorologists are just like scratching their heads on? Yeah, well, it's really interesting to talk about it in terms of the 100-year events. Those are typically something in an interval of 100 years that we see in meteorology. And say, I think it was the 1930s, back in the 1930s, the central United States was baking just like the West Coast is. And it varies by time to time. Like, you'll never have an exact date of week matching up with week 250 years apart where you have the exact same heat. And so we're going to set new records because, you know, you're shifting the timeline for as long as we've recorded our information. And so technically it is a brand new record. You have all this heat. This is something you haven't seen before for that time of year, but it is relatively normal for occasionally a pattern like this to set up. Thankfully, it doesn't happen more often than it does. But uh, thankfully, yeah, it breaks apart pretty easily most of the time. But every couple hundred years, it seems like we start to see these patterns emerge Hmm. where someone's going to get baked. And it just so happened it was the West Coast. (laughs) Wow. So, So going back to Lake Powell as the example then, how long could it theoretically take for that water level to rise? I mean, I'm guessing it's going to take mm-hmm. more than a couple of good rainy days. And, and since you've mentioned it is kind of like a roller coaster and a cycle of sorts, how long could that impact be felt? Oh, it could be felt for more than a decade, depending on if this pattern oh, wow. changes, which no one wants to hear, sadly. But the thing is, is there's so many different ways it can recover. You can get heavy rains that fill it back in. You can have heavy snows in the winter that when they melt, they drain back down and they fill it in. You can have both. Fingers crossed you get both. Uh, but then, of course, you run into the alternative where if you've been so dry, the ground's just like a shrunken sponge. It's like, yes. 
And then when the water falls, it's like, no. And then it just shunts it off as runoff. And then you get flooding. And then the problem's still there because the ground can't absorb the water. So theoretically, the best way to get it uh, to go back down would be to have nice multiple day rains, multiple month rains, and then a ton of snow in the winter. (laughs) Good to know. Bill, Bill doesn't like snow. I hate you. You don't like snow. <laughs> and he's in the Northeast. Here's the, I mean, what? I'm born and born and raised in the Northeast. You know what it is, Katie? I feel like I'm freezing all winter long. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, genetically I have poor circulation. And so when it gets cold, I feel it from about November all the way through to May. And I hear it. Yeah. Like my hands are like today it's 63, 64 degrees or so. My hands are freezing. What? Um, yeah, it's it's just it's we got down to 140 below zero wind chill this winter. Like the yeah. cold doesn't bother me either way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's my idea of hell. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> See, I told myself when I got the job out here because I read the Little House on the Prairie books. I was like, I want a good old fashioned blizzard. I want five <laughs> feet of snow. I want the Arctic air. Haven't had any of that. I'm just like, come on. Well, Come on. And my brother's now in New York and he's experiencing like tropical storms and tornadoes. Yep. I'm just like, what is going on? It's crazy. Wow. Is there is there a way that we can get Dan to do the farm report somewhere in Iowa? Because I think that would be fantastic. Huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, coming up uh, tonight, I actually, I got to go in early for my shift because we're going to have storms with strong winds and hail and tornadoes even potentially. And I'm so ready for it. <laughs> See, I'll be, I'll be here. I'll be sleeping. So thank you, Bill. There you go. You know, look at it on social media. <laughs> Absolutely. So a, a second ago, Katie, you were talking about how these things happen in patterns of about a century. So one of the more commonly repeated arguments that we've heard regarding climate change, which we can get more into detail later as well, you know, there's only 150 years of recorded weather history and earth is 4 billion years old and people will just say it's just cyclical. So how do you mm-hmm. respond to something like that being a professional in this field? I think the best way to do it, because a lot of times it's either pick one side or pick the other side, but you can actually pick out elements from both sides of the argument that are good. And instead of focusing on like, oh, that's wrong and that's wrong, just be like, actually, that part's right and that part's right. So if we put it together, we can explain it. So say, for instance, our cycles, there's this thing called the ENSO cycle. You know, El Nino, La Nina, you hear Mm -hmm. it in the news, they're buzzwords, and they just change our weather patterns. Well, occasionally you can get those patterns to last 10 years and they flip flop or they can do it in shorter term. And so that's very short term. But if you look at the long term climate, climate is 30 years or more of history. You can tell that there's variations going up and down naturally, but then there can also be additional parts that say, for now, past the industrial revolution to where we are now, it's going a little bit faster. So we'll see, okay, well, is that a natural part of the cycle? Or is there something that changed that coincides with that, that isn't necessarily, what's the word? It's not, it's cause, not causation. But you can see if it is causation or if it's just coincidence. That's the word. <laughs> I've been up since 2 a.m. <laughs> I, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but yeah, you want to make sure it's not coincidence and that you can actually see that there are direct ties. And that's the big thing that I stress, especially in the age of social media, is actually look at the science and the numbers. No one wants to. I'm a scientist and I don't want to because it's a lot of numbers. But if you actually dig into it, you can find all this key information that 
sometimes gets weaponized for one side or the other of the argument when you can actually look at it and be like, no, it actually shows us exactly the straight path ahead. And that, that's what I always tell people is like, don't just take someone's word for it. Go out and do it yourself because you will find so much more. So what I'm hearing from you right now is, okay, the doctors during COVID have been saying, look at the science. And now you as a meteorologist is saying, look at science. I think the dum-dums should start listening to the science. Yeah. Just saying, Bill, start listening to the science. <laughs> okay. I'll start listening to the science. <laughs> and, no, it's, and that's the thing too. It's like, I, I'm, I'm a young, I'm 24 years old. That's I'm a young and my generation in school, you know, you don't usually go for the sciences and it's kind of nerdy. Most people tend to prefer English or some sort of drama art. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Science, though, yeah, no matter what you do, you have to have a firm understanding of it. Otherwise, we're done for. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% right. And I think it, science always fascinated me as a kid. But I, just, I one, I didn't have the math skills and I just didn't have the attention span to sit, to stay that focused, especially in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah, Dan's wandering yeah. already. He's, he's like, Where <laughs> who am I? <laughs> who am I? But it's, it's it's interesting to hear that. I mean, I'm not going to call you young because I mean, you were you were an accomplished professional at this point. Oh, I mean, well, thank you. <laughs> you're working in science. You've got a job that you know gives education and information to a lot of people, especially at critical times, and that's that's amazing. Um, it, it I'm always fascinated by how weather is predicted and how accurate it is because it wasn't that long ago where we all used to say, uh, somebody needs to get that weather guy a window. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yes. How I mean, you must deal with all kinds of computerized models for a given storm or ge generic forecast. How many models do you look at in order to determine the forecast? For me in a given day, it's around six or seven, but there's wow. tens of and even hundreds of models you can pick from, from all across the world. And some of them are for short term, like they only go out 12 hours. And they're really nitpicky and they're like, Haha, we're going to beat these humans. They never do. And then you have the <laughs> long term ones that are like, we're going to get blasted with 40 feet of snow. It's like, no, no. you physically can't. And that's why I'll always have a job is because computers aren't quite as smart as they think they are. You always <laughs> need that human to just be like, <laughs> hold up a sec. So, but yeah, it's incredible. And that's part of the field of meteorology because a lot of times people think, oh, meteorologists, you're just one of the TV people. No, you got researchers, you got National Weather Service government workers who provide all these models for free for everyone. You have broadcasters like myself, which translate all that model data information to more of a public lingo. And then you have people who just entirely go out and storm chase, which I like to think I'm a hybrid of that because I do enjoy myself a good tornado. But it's really interesting to see all the different facets of meteorology coming together in order to pull that time span of how long we can forecast and get it right much farther into the future. You know, you just said something there that really caught my ear um, about loving a good tornado. And I sit over oh, here yes. on the other side of, you know, on the coast of the country going, no way in hell. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you have been known to chase the occasional storm there in the heartland. Does it ever scare you? Never. I actually, I told my boss uh, the, uh, the couple, it was a month ago, actually, I was storm chasing. She goes, aren't you like stressed enough? I was like, no, no, no. I'll tell you what. 
The real world stresses me out. You put me in front of a tornado. I can tell you what's happening, where it's going. And I feel so at ease as long as I'm in a good spot. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, in, it's so great because I'm in college. I spent 40 days out West storm chasing over a span of four years with a professor who's just amazing in the field. And you get to see all these cool little cloud features and just things that look science fiction-esque. Like they look like they're made in a graphic simulator and they're real. And once you know how to read those signs, oh, you feel at ease. And it's just incredible. I'll tell you what, if you ever get the chance, go outside in a windstorm when there isn't lightning, because you know, I got to add that plug. But if there's nice wind, stand next to a power line and listen to the wind blow across the line. And it makes this eerie whistle. It is the coolest thing. I have heard that. I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, because uh, one of the, one of the local supermarkets that we have has the giant power lines, oh, and every yeah. once in a while there'll be the wind, and I'm like, "Hun, do you hear that? What is going on?" And I always look at the wires, but it's like the wires yeah. don't make noise. So you can just it, hear the whistle, and you think you're yeah. going insane. Dan, I'm pretty sure that was the noise in between your ears. I don't oh, think that was the power. Well, that's lines. a lot. Of, that's, that is a lot of space. I was going to say though, Katie, <laughs> the the closest I will ever get to going storm chasing is putting my DVD of Twister into the machine and putting play. Oh, but see, that's the calling card for storms. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing on all of our storm chases. The night you watch Twister, the next day you will see a tornado. And oh, well, okay, well, then I'm never watching time. Twister again. <laughs> <laughs> you are oh. summoning it without realizing. <laughs> yeah, stop summoning the thunder, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. bring the thunder down is right. Absolutely. Uh, so, out here in the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go right ahead, buddy. You're up. I say out here on the East Coast, I mean, we get more hurricanes than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we're due. Um, yeah. It's been a while since we've had one really hit New England, and I, 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 I'm just being honest, Dan. I mean, I'm not a forecaster, but I just I feel it that I, I get the sense we're probably we usually get a late summer one when it happens. I, I think this year it could be the year. We just had Thank Elsa you. like 48 hours ago. Yeah, that was not that was a rainstorm. What are you talking about? It's still a named storms. So that's all we need. And And it was the fastest we ever got to the letter E so far in hurricane history. So, oh, do you guys want to know a total side tangent about hurricane names? Yes. Yes. I have to tell people this every time I talk about hurricanes. So we name hurricanes. And that started back in World War II because, you know, when you were in the Army and in the Navy and you were in the Air Force, you had to name these storms because if there were more than two at a time, it got a little difficult so they thought let's just let's name these these destructive forces of nature that are unstoppable (laughs) after our girls back home so they (laughs) named them after their wives and that is how hurricanes got their names and then eventually as we set through time we're like all right we'll add in the guys but yep destructive forces of nature women back home there you go (laughs) they're always in charge i'm not going to argue that right you're absolutely right and it's probably the the female name storms that have probably done the most damage no that could be oh my gosh no well someone could do it i'm sure there could be research on it yeah i bet i mean katrina's on the top there so (laughs) katrina sandy yep oh yeah that's right all right so as everybody knows from watching and listening to you you are a huge star trek fan so Do you actually let, let, let's let's put you on the spot. Do you actually have a favorite occurrence of a weather related issue in Star Trek throughout all of Star Trek's history? Deep Space Nine, when they're on Risa and Worf decides to help the eco terrorists take down the weather grid. Hate yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> hate that those guys. So terrible, but that oh. is so awesome. 
<laughs> just instantly no. No, it's so true because it's like the idea of having a weather grid, like a single supercell thunderstorm has the same power as five atomic bombs. So being able to control that, oh, it's a dream. I would want to have a tornado in my front yard. If I could control <laughs> that, it would be like a Halloween decoration all year round. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's coming it to fly around. <laughs> That's a, a let he who is without sin actually is yep. the episode name, yes. I believe. And that was going to actually be a question later on, Katie. So I'm going to really? ask it now. Do you ever think that we would be stupid or smart enough, depending <laughs> on how you want to look at it, to try to build something to help control weather? Is that even possible? On a planetary scale? I don't think there's a chance. Yeah. But if you're planning on small scale, it might potentially be possible as far as putting reflective plates down in the desert to help reduce the heat and increase the albedo so the sun reflects off. But as far as controlling storms, or even as many people on Twitter have been asking me lately, weaponizing storms, not a chance. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I have some weird followers, guys. I have a weird co-host, so I know where you're coming from. Hey, Hey, I'm right here. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's funny because I think that controlling the weather winds up in just about every decade to be in some kind of big budget movie. Yes. Um, it's It seems like it's a plot that people keep coming back to as much as we've all seen it in some of the movies that are like, come on, really? Um, mm-hmm. But I think probably Deep Space Nine probably did it the best out of all of those, quite frankly. That episode mm-hmm. is largely forgettable, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but... But that really is the coolest aspect of it, aside from the fact that nothing good ever happens on Ryza. Oh, yeah. No. True. Absolutely. That's right. That yeah. and uh, being able to see uh, the multiple Horgons just walking around the beach, just like, yeah, Quark, <laughs> here we go. I'm just, uh, bye, guys. Hello. I want to know how his vacation went. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word, that is that is amazing. There are other significant um, ecological and environmental developments that happen throughout all of Star Trek. And I think probably one of my favorites is kind of the explosion of the moon praxis in the beginning of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. One, mm-hmm. it is such a great opening right at the end of that amazing theme to all of a sudden just have this planet ex- or this moon explode out of nowhere. And you're wondering what the hell is going on. But looking at, at the state of our world today, because clearly it's analogous, the, the point mm-hmm. is for us to draw that comparison today. Um, I, I'm guessing it's not getting a whole lot better with us humans on this planet. Yeah, exactly. Although there is the potential because we could help make it healthier than it ever has been. It's Mm. just a matter of the technology actually catching up. Like batteries, for instance, we really haven't improved that technology in a long time. But if we get them to be better, more efficient, not to give off all that extra heat, like when you charge your phone and it's just cooking in your hands, you're losing energy, you're wasting energy in the form of heat. So if we can make it perfectly efficient or as close as we can, we can actually dramatically reduce any energy, even if we didn't change over completely to green energy. It would help save a ton. Hmm. That's that's very interesting. I never even thought of it like that. It's it's interesting, Bill. You brought up Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. One of the things that I was going to bring up to you, Katie, was in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Of course, Mm -hmm. we know the probe does whatever it does, which (laughs) causes the entire planet to be, you know, cloud cover and rain. And it talks about how the probe is ionizing 
the atmosphere or ionizing yes. the ocean, something like that. Is that a true statement? What happens in Star Trek four with what the probe is doing and what happens as a result in the, in the atmosphere? From what it sounds like, I think they were aiming for going with uh, cloud seeding. Because cloud seeding, you take the salt and ionized salt and everything, and you, well, you can add other things than salt, but salt works really well. And you shoot it up into the clouds, and it acts as a very fancy term, cloud condensation nuclei, which is just a fancy way of saying water condenses around it. So (laughs) a lot of times, the water can't condense all that well in the atmosphere, so there's just a little bit of water. But if you force it to condense by shoving salt up there, then you just squeeze all of the water possible out of it and you do get rain but boy it's going to be dry in the upper levels talk about a nosebleed so do you think we could weaponize that no sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry had to do it i wanted to throw one in there at least that's oh my gosh yes everyone (laughs) the chemtrail community yes despises me I saw your photo on Twitter today or, or yesterday or whatever. Oh, that it was. made me so happy. I just oh. I saw it. I was literally pushing a shopping cart and I went, no. And I shoved <laughs> my shopping cart to the side and I took a picture with this like anti chemtrail <laughs> bumper sticker. I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> oh my God. This is the most fun we've had on Trek Geeks in a long time. Yeah. Ever. I love it. There are other Star Trek episodes that deal with other kinds of environmental impact. And off the top of my head, there are two that strike me as very similar with uh, areas of subspace being affected. And that's uh, Force of Nature and TNG, where we get the warp speed limit that is never mentioned again. Oh my God. And, then, <laughs> and then Discovery Saints of Imperfection, where mm-hmm. we sort of have that um, that, that meeting of, of real space and subspace and we get Dr. Culber back and, and that kind of thing. Um, if you were going to draw an analogy to those from those episodes to something real world today, what would jump first to your mind? I think the first thing that would jump in is don't push technology to the point you harm nature, uh, which I think is what they were really aiming for, especially with the TNG episode. It's like, all right, guys, you can go super fast and have all these fancy flying machines and planes, but think about how you're killing the earth sort of a thing. It's just like with the warp speed and killing subspace and just, it was definitely one of those broad brush strokes, but you could see what they were doing there. And so I think they were really trying to push, you know, maybe eco-friendly regulations on transportation for sure is one. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, it it strikes me as the kind of thing that at the time in the 90s, people were like, oh, yeah, that's kind of all right. That That's fine. Whatever. But I think a lot of people in rewatching that episode have discovered really kind of the subtext behind it. And yeah. it's amazing to me when people sort of have that light dawns on Marblehead moment um, and go, oh, oh, that's what that's about. As <laughs> if Star Trek has never talked about serious things before. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so in, in season three of Discovery, um, this year, Katie, and I assume you're caught up, so I'm not going to oh, give yes. away any spoilers. Um, when Discovery when Discovery shows up in the future, they crash land on the planet. And one of the things that uh, Bill and I talked about on Discovering Trek was I didn't like what happened when the when the when the ship crash landed on the ice and then was being taken over by parasitic ice. And and yes. Bill's like, that's a real thing, dude. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know if this is meteorology, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is parasitic <laughs> ice real? Because it sounds funny. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> I think when I saw the episode, I was just like, what are they 
doing? <laughs> what? That's not how ice works. Like, okay, maybe it's a crystalline entity and it's it's growing like ice. Mm. And this and this. I'm just like, no, they aren't. They're just going to say it's ice. They're just going <laughs> to, son of a gun. Got a glass and, ice yeah, right here. <laughs> just shaking back and forth. Like, <laughs> I want to be a consultant. Just call me. I'll do it for free. Just help. <laughs> That's great. Okay, good. We know so we know someone we can connect you with. In that <laughs> no, we'll just, we'll just say it out loud. Just say I'll work for so free. How, call me anytime. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's all CBS, right? You'll exactly. I'm a CBS um, station. So there you go. <laughs> that's, Boom. That's it. So do you often have to suspend your disbelief when you watch Star Trek? And is it hard? Occasionally, yes, when it comes to the weather. But a lot of other times, I'm not into those fields of physics and such. So Trek no babble, you could say whatever you want. I will believe you, especially if you put it in LeVar, out of LeVar Burton's mouth. Like, I will believe anything right. that man says. Uh, reading right. Rainbow Generation right here, guys. And so I swear, yeah, they could do anything. And I, I'm okay with it until they start talking about, like, they haven't been this bad yet. Some CBS shows have where they're like, oh, yeah, we have a Category 5 tornado. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I will send messages to my family and just be like, you will not believe what they just did. <laughs> so aside That's from that, I just I skip those episodes. It's, it's kind of like me with technology when I watch anything that has, you know, some sort of IP address in it. And they said the IP address starts with 714. I'm like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> no it doesn't. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on now. Oh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so, so one of the other one of the final questions I have in regards to episodes, Katie, is is we've we've touched on this aspect actually a few times, but True Q, and that's the the one where the the um uh, the girl is a Q and she has the stupidest Q thing that she fingers. does with her fingers. Yeah. I'm never like that. Um, but yes. in the episode, you find out that what what I assume is that the continuum created this tornado to land in that very exact spot to kill the parents and this, that, and the other thing. Do you think we will ever be at the point because tornadoes are so unpredictable, even though you mm -hmm. chase them and you're crazy um, yeah. <laughs> that, that we will be able to, to really pinpoint exactly where they will land and what force they'll land at. Because from whatever I see, and I'm just a novice, obviously what I see on TV, how can you, I mean, people are standing there and then all of a sudden it just shifts and goes somewhere else. Is, do you think mm -hmm. we'll ever be able to pinpoint exactly to that specificity? I think we will in several hundred years. Uh, okay. <laughs> we need data because right now we have all these sensors across the United States that give us real-time temperature, humidity, current conditions, and all that. And eventually a map is going to perfectly match up once again. And so you should be able to tell if the conditions are exactly the same, what kind of weather will happen. And especially if we can collect that data, because like we said, we're only maybe 100, 150 years worth of reliable weather information at this point. Mm -hmm. You go a few hundred years into the future, oh yeah, we'll be doing 10 day forecasts that are actually reliable. They aren't right now. Don't trust them. And <laughs> everything else, it'll all fall into place. So uh, eventually when I go into cryostasis and wake up in 200 years, I'm hoping my job will be a lot easier. And, and, and just to clarify, when you say we need to get data, we need information and not a Dr. Soon created positronic yes. Android. Okay. Although that, I swear, that data could save us so much time. <laughs> I know. We could just okay. tie him to a rope and throw him into a tornado. Like, he would be the sensor. It'd be wow. perfect. I like that. So, that's, an, that's an episode. right? That's there. an episode. Let's pitch exactly. that. <laughs> Literally. 
data. So what, what I'm hearing you say is that um, this 10-day forecast on my handy-dandy phone is not only garbage, um, I should probably just watch my local weather professional. And if I were in Sioux City, Iowa, that would be uh, oh, you. most definitely me. Yes, <laughs> even though apparently I can't get cameras to work. Uh, but, That's okay. <laughs> no, it's seriously the phone apps that come onto your phone, like the generic weather Apple app yep. or Android yep. app, useless because that is computer models. That is purely computers. If you go with your local station and your local meteorologist, better odds are that if you download their station's app, you will get actual personalized forecasts because. I know for me and all the other uh, company stations that work with my station, we have to type that in every morning. And so it works out beautifully if you download a local news app or multiples. Who who knows? You you can can make a competition and put bets on who will be right because we do that. We we genuinely do that. (laughs) (laughs) Who who wins? (laughs) <laughs> oh, me all the time, of course. We all yeah, do. definitely. We all win. <laughs> exactly. Everyone wins in the end. <laughs> do, do you know, do they do all these different apps? Because I'll tell you one thing. I, I have a particular app on my phone, and I won't say names so that so people don't get mad, but my sister no. has a different one, and she tells me what the forecast is, and I look at it and I go, what, what are you even talking about? Because then I go and look at mine, and it's completely different. How is that possible if it's a weather app? Is it because of the different models that you were just talking about? Plinko. It's because of the game Plinko. Uh, (laughs) And I will explain why. Uh, I just love the genuine shock that I get from people. (laughs) So we all, like I said, we have the weather sensors all across the country and we have that one starting point. Think of it like you're starting with a Plinko board. If you're all the way up at the top, you're 10 days out. The closer you get to the bottom, you're like nine days out, six days out, one day out. And if you're at the top, you have the entire bottom of the board worth of prizes that you could pick from. You could have a foot of snow. You could have nothing. You'd have a heat wave. You could have an incredible cool down. But once you get closer to the bottom, you start to eliminate the fringe numbers Mm -hmm. and you start to actually be able to pinpoint what's going to happen. And then eventually you get to that one day point. It's like, okay, we can either get six inches of snow or eight inches of snow. It's either going to fall into one of these and then it does. And so you finally are able to condense it and condense it and condense it as time goes on, just like a Plinko board. And so hopefully in the future, it'll be a lot easier for all the models to agree, but they all take different bouncy paths on the Plinko board. And then they finally agree at the end because they have no choice because all the model information they're getting at the beginning all tells them, this is going to happen, you stupid computer. And uh, it finally works. (laughs) So two things. One, I understood that. Yes. That's the perfect (laughs) analogy. And two, good on you for promoting another CBS show and the price is right. Oh, you that know. is that's professional stuff. You they they still gotta start getting you on CBS this morning. That's all I'm saying. The See, here, crew has to work together, right? That's here's right. the different here's the difference between Bill and I. Bill got that. When you started talking about Plinko, I thought you were talking about Plinks, which are those little things that you throw in your disposal to keep them from smelling bad. Oh, no. so, <laughs> so there you go. Plinko. Right, Bill? There. You're an idiot. <laughs> Dan, Dan, you're an idiot. I, I don't want to. I don't want to confuse our listeners. I'm not calling. I just uh, meteorologist Katie. I literally idiot. just ordered twenty of those from Amazon like two days ago. So I'm He's just on saying. Your brain, so it's yeah, acceptable. That's why. <laughs> Dan, they're like Tide Pods. You should eat those. Oh gosh. Wow. Okay then. We get dark sometimes, Katie. Really I love it. I love it. Dark. Hey, when you wake up at two in the morning, you embrace dark humor. You embrace it wholeheartedly. Because it's dark. <laughs> Because so, it's dark most of your day. No. I, 
I can't fathom getting up at two in the morning. Um, I, I worked third shift for a year of my life and it was horrible. I just couldn't adjust to the sleeping cycle. Um, so what the alarm goes off at, at two, you must be going to bed at like six o'clock. Ideally, uh, last night I went to bed at 10. So, uh, yeah, it depends. (laughs) I'm still disenergized, but, uh, (laughs) no, it's true. Uh, I set my alarms, usually go to bed around six o'clock ish. And then of course, if I hit snooze just once, I have a cat, his name is radar. He will be getting a sister this fall named Doppler. So I'll have Doppler radar. I live the brand. (laughs) If I press snooze, he now comes up and he'll lick my eyelids first. And if that doesn't work, he'll just like start sticking his tongue in between my lips. I'm just like, ah, okay, I'm awake. <laughs> and he's, he's the best alarm. So you didn't go to sleep until 10 o'clock last night? Nope. That's why your your uh, forecast was so cranky this I'm morning. Just I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. joking. <laughs> the, the amazing Here's your thing forecast. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do what you will with it. I said good day. <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't imagine being having this mm-hmm. after this recording, you're going to get off this call and you're going to have all the energy drained out of you. You're going to sleep for days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because dealing with us has that effect on people. It's amazing. Oh, gosh. You, I swear you guys are so, so amazing. This is so much fun. We learn so much stuff when we have smart people on the show. And this is, this is definitely not an exception. Uh, Aww, Katie, yay. we, we gotta, we gotta, Bill. You got anything else? Because I, I could go for hours. I, <laughs> oh, yes. well, it's it. We could easily go for hours. I think someday we may have to do a, a live stream called yes. "Snowed In" in the middle of winter yes. and have Katie on to just talk about whatever any of the mm-hmm. three of us want to. I'll be I just had that idea just want. now. That'd be fantastic. She could <laughs> be like the work. Midwest version of Shelby Scott. I was just gonna say Shelby <laughs> Scott. <laughs> So, so Katie, your homework is to Google who Shelby Scott is. Yes. Okay. She, she was an employee for the CBS station in Boston for decades. And it was actually NBC before it became CBS. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yep. And they would send her out in the middle of every storm, even as a senior citizen. Yeah. With a microphone down there. It's it's situate with the waves crashing against the seawall. Oh, yeah. And Shelby Scott would report in the middle of every bad storm there was. And she was just a generic news reporter. Oh, it's not like she was she had a weather focus. I want um, that. I tell people all the time. Like I want to, I want people to see my name on the list of people arriving on a flight and book another flight to get out of there. I want people <laughs> to see me walking onto the beach and have them run away. I want to be the next Jim Cantori, but with actual I was, hair. I'm just going to say incredible. that. <laughs> so if Jim Cantori comes to your town, you are excited and worried all at the same time. Oh, I'm not, I'm not even worried. I'm just like, I'm going to stand next to him. He's lived this long. He knows something. And I'm just going to stand next to him the whole time. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my word. Wow. Katie, Katie, your energy is infectious. I wish we could uh, okay. we could bottle some of that. Um, I, I am going to think about Plinko for the rest of the day, Dan. Um, <laughs> and I don't mean the things you're going to stick in your garbage disposal. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> no. But I'll be thinking about Plinko while I put a plank in my garbage disposal. So I guess that's a win when you, you're going to need to watch understand forecasting exactly yes <laughs> you're going to need to go watch the prices right on paramount plus look another plug oh, oh. Look at what we're doing <laughs> katie where can folks find you online to uh to follow you or to see your forecasts 
Absolutely. Well, I'm always on Twitter. That's probably my most active area. And it's at weather underscore Katie. Same thing on Instagram. Meteorologist Katie Nicolau on Facebook for everyone who still does that. And I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, It's called So Many Random Fandoms or Smurf, as many people are starting to call it. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Nice. That's where you can find all of my fandom forecasts. I do streams every week. Well, most of the time we've been getting lazy lately. But and to my defense, the storms have been happening on Wednesday nights. Not sure why, (laughs) but we usually do live streams. You can pop on and say hi. Honestly, I just love saying hi to people. And if you have any weather questions whatsoever, no matter how silly you think it is, go for it. Because I literally made a TikTok that made me famous about people eating icicles and actually eating bird poop while doing it. That's so, remember that. <laughs> that um, 17 million views right now. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> I want to go get an icicle. Well, no, you oh, don't. Ugh. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, going from fifth grade, afraid to leave my house, to 17 million views from anonymous people on an app. I mean, that that is, and Star Trek is at the base of that journey. So awesome. it's just, it's incredible. Well, Katie, I got to tell you, your, your enthusiasm is infectious. And Aww. we cannot thank you enough for being here, sharing your story, sharing your love of Star Trek, teaching us things about the weather, teaching us things about how to better make your garbage disposal smell clean and fresh. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Folks, her, her name is Katie Nicolau. Check her out online. If you're out in Sioux City, Iowa, you got to watch her every morning on the news uh, on CBS 14. Thank you so much for being here. And I can guarantee you, we are going to have you back. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys. I can't wait to be back. Well, Dan, I didn't imagine that you and I could actually learn something that will retain. <laughs> but uh, who knew that weather was Plinko? Plinko. <laughs> I love that. They smell so good. Oh, wait a no, minute. Sorry. No, I'm, you're so, I'm sorry. I keep screwing that up. You are such a bonehead. <laughs> so that, I got to say, that was probably my favorite moment of the conversation when she said that 10-day forecast is Plinko. And it's so true. And, and it just goes to show that she is a lot smarter than us because she makes things easy to understand for two dummies like you and I. It was great. What a fun conversation. She's she's awesome. <laughs> totally fun conversation. Um, well, well, Dan, we're mm. going to do something a little different right now. Yeah, we are. Um, because earlier this week on July 20th, season three of Star Trek Discovery was released on DVD, Blu-ray, and special steelbook. And we are so excited for this for two reasons. One, it was an awesome season. <laughs> and two... We're going to actually give away some Blu-rays to lucky listeners. Yeah, it's just absolutely awesome news, man, because like you said, season three was so awesome. It's actually my favorite season of Discovery so far, and we're thrilled to be able to give three, three copies away to listeners, and it's going to be so easy for you to get in on this contest. So we got to say this first. This offer is only good for United States residents, and all you need to do between now and next Tuesday, July 27th, 2021, at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, is head on over to Twitter, tag Trek Geeks, tell us your favorite moment of Season 3, and use the special hashtag TrekGeeksDisco. Uh, and buddy, did I mention that in addition to the Blu-rays of season three, we're also going to give each one of those three listeners a special USS Discovery NCC 1031 hat? What? What? It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's really nice. I want one. The hashtag is Trek Geeks Disco altogether, no spaces, 
Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to use the right hashtag in order yes. to qualify. Dan, it's too bad you can't get one because it could cover up that horrible noggin of yours. Right. Ugly. It is. But seriously... This is great news, and we're so happy to be able to give away these Blu-rays and hats. Remember, folks, we need your responses on Twitter with the hashtag by 9 p.m. on Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. And we wish everybody good luck. You know what else we wish everybody, Dan? Mm, what's that? I have a feeling. That they would listen to lots of five-year mission. We love uh-huh. five-year mission. Oh, uh-huh. my word. Love every, every last note of music you hear on Trek Geeks. They are just, they're amazing. One song for every episode of Star Trek. And these, as we keep stressing, this is not parody. Mm -mm. These are not songs that make fun of Star Trek. They help you look at the episodes in a different way, which is something Mm. I always love. So get on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get all their discs sent to you because you want that physical media in your grubby little paws, Dan. And become a huge fan of the band just as you and I are. So that's fiveyearmission.net. Go get all their discs. Ugly noggin and grubby little paws. Wow. Thanks, pal. Appreciate that. I'm just being honest. I'm, I, I know, and I, I like that about you. But you know what I got to say, Bill? Speaking of good things, ah, oh, Risa. Oh, you know, I, I know I said in the past it isn't my favorite place, but you got to admit, it's pretty relaxing, man. Sitting there on the beach, listening to five-year mission music all day long, uh-huh. having a nice drink, looking awesome in your swim trunks, I'm sure, too. Oh, no. You know. Having a Horgon sitting next to you, you know, with that awesome music playing, looking the way you do, and that statue on display, you're just begging for someone to come over and offer you Fark Maharan. I'm game. Right here. Hello. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Jafarkaran. (laughs) No, Fark Maharan. Fark Maharan. Yep. That's it. I that mean, makes I, him sound like a villain from 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's oh, Mark Maharan is no villain, I'm telling you. Well, mm-hmm. it is if you do it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I just, I don't even. Yeah, I, you do. Yeah, if you would if you had the, uh, the Horgon sitting there. Yeah, anyway. Fiveyearmission.net. <laughs> I'm begging you. Well, for you. what? Fark Maharan? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just uh, moving on. Don't forget that you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon. Dan, we have so many wonderful people who support us each and every month on Patreon. It is We are so grateful for everything they do. They are the reason we've been able to build out the Trek Geeks mm-hmm. Podcast Network with so many amazing shows. And uh, it just it just keeps getting better. It really does. It keeps getting better. We love every single one of you for being supporters over on Patreon. Right now, we want to thank our associate producers uh, for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. So thank you so very much. Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Sarah Rutlinger, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. Very gracious. So wonderful. Dan, we also also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are 
Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Lionel Marchand, Rick Mason, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the downright delightful Jude Tatman. Okay. Did, did, did you know that? I did know that because he's he's awesome. He's fantastic. He's frequently fantastical. But he's downright delightful. And downright week. delightful. Absolutely. We always love talking to Jude. You know, uh, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, we're going to talk about something we t- typically talk more about on Discovering Trek. Yeah, indeed we are, man. You know, earlier this week, season three of Discovery was released on DVD, Blu-ray, and Limited Steelbook. And since we're giving away some copies, we figured, why not talk about Discovery for a change? So next week, we're going to talk about our favorite parts of season three. And, uh, oh, uh, yeah, we're also going to have a conversation with some guy named Anthony Rapp. Yeah, that's right. Stamets is in the house right here next week on Trek Geeks the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Now, we have to thank CBS right off the bat because they made Anthony available for a short duration mm-hmm. um, during some press for Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We're grateful. It's, n- it's not the longest interview we've ever done, but it's a good one, and we hope you'll tune in next week. For even more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to Discovering Trek, Rewind, Polytrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters. Uh, there's now also Science Station 2, yep. Drawn to Trek with Aaron yep. Harvey, and With the First Link. Um, we think we're done adding podcasts for now, oh my man. God. Put a, put a, hit the brakes, <laughs> Pally. Well, maybe you should step in and intervene because I am out of control. All right, I will intervene. You can find all of our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting, just imagine, trekgeeks.com slash listen. I like that. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. Nobody. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 265 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Thanks for tuning in. Tomorrow's forecast, coconut. With high degrees of coconut. Mm. And a low overnight of coconut. Coconut. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Well, hello, Dan. What? Bing bong. Bing.
I'm I'm getting there, Dan. Oh God. <laughs> Let me start over. Okay. Well, hello, Dan. And Bing Bong. I'm not doing this. You just did. <laughs> What's up? You just did. I'm sorry. How are you, Bill? Oh, God. I, I'm doing fine, Dan. Welcome, everyone, to Trek NPR, where we talk about all of the Trek that fits. And that is to say, Dan, <laughs> we talk about all of the Trek that fits all of the time. Because, Bill, no one talks Trek like we do. I think that's a very apt statement, Dan, <laughs> and I thank you for bringing it up. Oh, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that everybody is asleep. <laughs> no, you see, it still doesn't get any better than when we did that for episode 15 oh, and you introduced Coconut. <laughs> um, but every now and then I do like to kick it off with Trek NPR. Little NPR going TGNPR. Y-O. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> There's a lot of things wrong with me. I mean, that's, oh, I, that goes I was, without saying. Yeah. I'm certain of that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's all right. I, I don't mind. I, it's okay. Oh, I good mean, for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so excited uh, to hear that. So you know what else is exciting? I don't Your have face? My, I don't have, well, that's always exciting. I mean, come on. Um, especially when it's got a target painted around it, right? Oh <laughs> yeah, I know. So oh, I don't. Have, I don't have my Lego Infinity Gauntlet yet, but I do have the light kit. The light kit has come in already. So I have no idea how to do that. So I'm gonna toss it right over there. <laughs> Fix the new post right over there. <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> yep. So yeah. Um, well, the nice thing is, is I mean, uh, I'm sure somebody has done this already. Yeah. There is an instructional video on YouTube. I'm, I'm sure. almost positive of it. Yeah. Or if not, you get to wing it. Yep. I had to wing it with my Vegas set. Yep. And after about an hour of trying to figure out what the hell I was doing, then I called up the YouTubes. Right. And um I'll, and went for it that way. I'll I'll just, you know, I'll just get in there and if I can't do it, I'll get upset. And then the kid gauntlets will come off, man. Boom boom boom. What is <laughs> See, you've got those big old sausage fingers. I do. So yeah. You might uh, you might want to like uh, use a pair of tweezers to help play some of those wires. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's that's oh, what I, I had will. to do. Oh, I have a whole kit that I got because I used to have those. I still do have some of those foil models that that come in flat yeah. foil, and then I, so I got a whole set of like tweezers and pinchers and everything like that. Uh, it's funny that you say sausage fingers. We used to tease my dad that he had Gollum hands. <laughs> Remember Gollum in the Lord of the Rings when he like the first one in Fellowship when he reaches up over the rocks and they're all like, th- he like had, what? He had he had pretty pretty freaky freaky Gollum hands. Yeah, I wish I had screenshot that just at that moment because <laughs> it would have been amazing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the moment's gone. I'm a little off my game today. That's all right. A little off my it's game. It's been a busy. It's been a wicked busy week. Wicked. It's. It's been a hellacious week, and I don't Awful. know what the hell's going on. I don't either. Even Sue's, Sue's been wicked busy with her week, too, at her work, her work week, her work week weeks. And I've slept like crap this week. Uh, well, let's see. Saturday night, we had thunderstorms, as you probably mm-hmm. recall, and our Callie is deathly afraid of lightning. Yeah. So the lightning was bleeding through the curtains, which means she was trying to burrow herself in between the bed and the nightstand, which is not safe 
So I ended up being up with her for like a couple of hours in the middle of the night, Saturday night, trying to calm her, calm her down. So yeah, it's been a long, long sleep nights, long, long sleepless nights. (laughs) Long sleep nights. Long sleep nights. You've. You've done the same with me in Vegas. It's amazing. I have. I, well, I know you yeah. don't like lightning, so you know I gotta you know I rub your belly. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't like, <laughs> including you, me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, I know where you're going with that. And then yesterday, oh my goodness! So it finally dried out for a change here in New Hampshire for the first time in several days. So I had to mow the lawn. Ugh! You could you could see the air. It was so thick, and because it was so humid. All of the little mini tiny black flies were out, and I had swarms of them around me. While I was oh god, along. I hate those awful. things. Yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. They always eat eat me alive when I go outside. Yeah, I was getting them in my eyes, so I'd be rubbing my eyes with my gloves, and then I'd have dead bugs stuck in my eyebrow, and I had to try to like get it off, and it was. Bleh. I'm sure this is riveting listening bleh, for bleh. all of our podcast listeners. Well, you know what? It is an outtake, so we talk about whatever, and you will listen, and you will like it, people. Wow, I don't think yelling at the listeners is the way to go here. <laughs> I mean, what do they ever do to you? I like your I like your badge. Thank you. It's very I'm nice. wearing one of the uh the Star Trek Discovery Enterprise magnetic deltas from yeah. Fansets. Uh this is not an ad because um, No. No. Um I th- th- I bought this. Yes. Yes. In fact, we buy all of we, our yeah, pins. Yeah, we buy our pins from Fan. Yeah, we we, we um, give them the business cuz they're awesome. Give them in the business. Uh, we were customers of Fansets long before they were ever sponsors of yep. Trek Geeks. So, Absolutely. Um, but I, this is probably my favorite Delta pin they have ever done. It's pretty. It's gorgeous. It's pretty. Yeah. And it's heavy. Yeah. I like the weight of it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, thinking it will be transformed, the name of it, to the uh, Strange New Worlds Delta is what I'm hoping. Because I'm hoping that's the Delta that they use in the upcoming Anson Mount television series. Who was just named to be Batman in an upcoming DC animated movie? So psyched about that. What? (laughs) I'm also excited for the uh, science and engineering division Deltas when Strange New World ultimately premieres. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you know they got to do those. They they have to do those. Yes. It'll be interesting to see. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't think it's anything we've ever talked about on the show. So I'm going to talk about it here in the outtake. They were never pins in TOS. They were always embroidered right onto the uniform. Like I patches, wonder when yeah. they're going to change that, if they are going to change it in Strange New Worlds, if they have Here's to. the thing. I don't think they need to. Uh, I don't think they should. All right. Because it was 55 years ago. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Who cares? It was interesting also, speaking of Deltas, how somebody pointed out that um, in yesterday's Enterprise, your least favorite TNG episode probably besides Farka Weal, um, that they were tapping the comm badge for the, in the Monster Maroons uh, as a communicator, which was interesting. Yeah, he, uh, that was uh, Jamie Rogers who pointed that out. Yeah, Jamie um, Rogers. Nice job, Jamie yeah, Rogers. And I think that was in our internal Trek Geek Slack. There you go. How about that? Yeah. Little yeah, I'm on top of it. Riveting conversation. I'm on top of it. Really? So we're just over two weeks. Oh, my. Just under three weeks, really. Mm. Um, two and a half weeks to go to Vegas. How are you feeling? I'm feeling awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. I am a little... Concerned isn't the word. I think the word or words is more pissed off about the fact that morons are not getting vaccinated. And as a result now, they're starting to talk about masks in places. And Nevada's recommending masks for indoors. And that's just going to be a pain in the ass. I'll do it. I'm fully vaccinated. You're fully vaccinated. We're smart people. We're not dum-dums um, like so many millions that haven't gotten vaccinated. So, And I don't care if I'm calling out the people and they get mad at it. If you haven't gotten a vaccination, you're an idiot. Thank you. Full stop. Well, okay. 
<laughs> Can't really find fault with that. No. I mean, the important thing to remember here for anybody listening is that even if you are fully vaccinated, the Delta variant does not care. Nope. It's not that the vaccine doesn't work against Delta. The idea has always been that it will keep you from winding up in the hospital or keep you from being dead. So, uh, you know, it, it's still important to get the vaccine. It's still important, though, to take the precautions in Vegas and, and mask up. And we are going to be wearing masks, I'm sure, um, pretty much or probably the entire weekend in the dealer's room. And um, or the weekend. It's practically a week. <laughs> it's five days. It's a whole week. Um, but we're going to take the precautions necessary to ensure that um, we can have a safe and fun time. And a safe and fun return and nice and safe when we get home, too, and keep our other, our loved ones safe. So, so yeah. so But, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I'm excited. I am so psyched about the party, uh, the Fan Geeks party on the 13th, Friday, the 13th. <laughs> um, but it, uh, it's still going to be awesome. Can't wait. We'll see, what, we'll see what that looks like as we get closer. I mean, I don't anticipate any changes, mm-hmm. but based on uh, actions that Nevada and Clark County may take, there may be an impact to the party down the road. We don't know. Yeah, we'll find so out. So we're going to play it by ear and just assume that everything's going to go the way we want it to. That's right, because that's the way it should go. I mean, it's been a long road getting from there to here, so we might as well look forward to it. I'm going to ban you from your own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I didn't even ask for that one. It just kind of like popped in my head. <laughs> like most thoughts. <laughs> or I should say, in your case, mm. most thought pieces. P- yes, because they sometimes... Exactly. Squirrel. <laughs> All right, oh, there, anyway, jerk. Are you yeah. uh, you ready to do this? Let's learn some weather stuff. Um, yeah, from somebody super smart, very smart, very bubbly, very happy. Yeah, very, very energetic. Mm-hmm. I don't even like the word bubbly because it's not really accurate in this true. case. Yeah, true. Energetic she's, is a good way to put it. Yeah, she she just is she's got got to have like you know the energizer battery had an energizer battery mm. she's got to have like a warp reactor going on because she is just you know that on the go it's amazing she is she is it's going to be a fantastic conversation i know it despite the fact that you'll be there uh, here we go i will be there coconut